Welcome to the Mass Bar B Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about NBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. Hello, I'm your host, Jordan Rich. This May, the Massachusetts Bar Association's 2021 Elder Law Guide, the latest version of the MBA's resource guide on a wide range of legal issues affecting the lives of older adults, this guide will be available to read and download for free on the MBA's website, www.massbar.org forward slash elder law. The topic of reverse mortgage is quite popular these days, so we've asked Jill Joyce, HUD Certified Housing Counselor, and attorney Stephen Pepe, a reverse mortgage specialist and account executive with reverse mortgage funding based in Marlboro. Let's define what a reverse mortgage is uh, for people who have not moved into this area yet. We hear the term. What does it mean, Jill? It's a special loan product that is available for people depending, it's 62 and older, but there are some uh, proprietary mortgages that now allow a slightly younger age, I think 60 and older. So it's it's a, a vehicle for a homeowner to be able to access the equity in their home later in life, when maybe after they've retired and want to have a little extra money um, to help out with their retirement income, or in some cases, in fact, a lot of cases, people are using the reverse mortgage to pay off an existing mortgage. And that, of course, gets them out from under that mortgage payment every month. Great. But it is essentially a mortgage you borrow against your home that you can that's available to you again at a later age, sixty or sixty-two. The 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 most the mortgages most people are familiar with are the sixty-two and older. But it allows a homeowner to again access equity in their home um, to use it to pay off a mortgage or um, as an extra income stream to help them be able to live more comfortably. Steve, how popular is it, and and when did this when did this trend pick up? It is absolutely gaining in popularity. We've we've seen a, a sharp increase in business, especially in the last thirteen months because of the pandemic. But even prior to that, an increase, and and it's a combination of a few things: uh, increase in life expectancy, people are living longer; increase in cost of living especially in Massachusetts, and increase in home values, especially in Massachusetts, all throughout the Commonwealth. All of these things have really led to a sharp increase in business. Uh, Because of the pandemic, I am seeing an increase in calls with people who are utilizing this to fund private pay in home care, keep out of a congregate living setting, which they're, they're very afraid of, understandably, right now. So they're tapping into their home equity to accomplish that. Older people who are semi-retired and still working part-time, a lot of times they're uh, working in retail or hospitality and they may have lost those jobs. They might be on furlough. So there's a loss of income there too. So that has led mm. to an increase uh, recently. But we're, we're talking about uh, a program, the one that's a minimum 62 age that that was created during the Reagan administration. It's been around for over three decades, uh, but it's really, in in my 16 Mm. years in the business, this is the busiest I've ever been. Jill, talk with me a bit about how much one can borrow against the house. What's the percentage of equity? It sounds attractive to a lot of people, but what is that percentage? So the amount that people can borrow against their home is based on a, a factor that is, it's called a principal limit, based on the value of the home, the interest rate on the loan, and the age of the youngest borrower. So the younger the borrowers, 
uh, the lower percentage they can borrow. Um, I hate to throw out like random numbers, but I would, you know, I would say a very rough estimate for a 62 year old, Steve, uh, you can help me on this, maybe around 40, 42% roughly of the, of the value. Um, and then it increases as, you know, if you have a 80 year old that's applying or a 90 year old, it's obviously a much larger percentage. It's never a hundred percent. It's never close to that. Right. The highest we see is uh, someone's 90 year old, 90 years old or plus, maybe around 75% of the value of the home. And something else, Jordan, is that, again, the most popular program to which Jill referred, the, the FHA insured reverse mortgage, there's a limitation of how much home value we can look at when doing these calculations. And it's a little bit over $822,000 this year in 2021. So that has spurred the emergence of some proprietary reverse mortgages in the market for people who live in homes worth a lot more than that in the, in the millions of dollars. And, and yes, people in very valuable homes do take out reverse mortgages. And so on those, you can borrow up to a million and a half dollars if you've got a home worth three or four mm. or five million. But that's still the minority of the market. The explanation Jill gave is, is still the majority of the case. Let me ask you both, and I'll ha- start with you, Steve. Uh, what kind of power does the reverse mortgage company have if someone doesn't pay on time? I mean, it, people are nervous about all kinds of things these days. Should they be worried about losing their home if things don't go right? So the beauty of any reverse mortgage program is that there's no mandatory monthly payment obligation which is great for people on a fixed income. So they never have to worry about missing a mortgage payment and risking the potential of homelessness or foreclosure. So in that way, it's it's a very safe product. What every borrower needs to be mindful of is like every mortgage that every Massachusetts homeowner has, you have to pay your real estate taxes and homeowner's insurance. Those are absolute musts. If you do not do that, then you are in technical default on your mortgage. You're given a pretty brief time to remedy that, around 30 days. And if you do not, then we have to initiate foreclosure. If you're not maintaining taxes and homeowners uh, insurance, and you also have to keep the property in good repair, right? Because the, the property is the collateral for the loan. But these are standard promises every homeowner makes when they get any kind of mortgage. Uh, One more thing I could add on that is that a response from the industry and and HUD, who is our regulator, is that when, when there are concerns either on the homeowner's part or on the lender's part of a person's willingness or ability to pay their taxes or insurance, to, to eliminate that, that potential risk, we, the reverse mortgage lender can can set up these special set-aside accounts for taxes and homeowners insurance where we, the lender, can take over making those payments for the homeowner um, out of the reverse mortgage proceeds. So that has um, reassured a lot of, of homeowners and families that they won't default on those payments. And it's brought the default rate nationwide, the technical default rate for failure to pay those things, it's brought it way down. Anything to add in terms of what people should be aware of before they dip their toe in the water, Jill? The important things that all mortgages hold you to. Anything else that people should be aware of? 
Yes. So uh, a lot of people who really want to pass property on to children, um, most parents feel that way, regardless I mean, if oftentimes I'll have the children and the parents in a session and the parent, children are like mom and dad, you know, you should use this money while you're alive and everything. But parents always in the back of their mind would rather more money is going to their kids than to a bank when they pass on. So I guess it's important for people to realize that you're, you know, this is going to affect, you know, how much equity you have in your property. And at the end of your life, your child is going to be getting essentially less money than they would otherwise. Um, and if that's not a big deal and it shouldn't be, hopefully they've made those decisions. But this is going to affect, you know, obviously how much you pass on to your kids. And will the kids be responsible for paying back money on that loan? So when the property is sold, whether it's by the parents, let's say they downsize when they're 95, they'll be paying off the balance that is due, whatever they've borrowed, plus the interest that's accrued. It's not going to be a surprise to them. They're going to get a statement every month. Um, they're going to know exactly how much they owe. So when they sell the home, they would pay off the reverse mortgage and get whatever's left over from the sale for themselves. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the children. When the children inherit, that they, they would be usually selling the property and they would pay off the reverse mortgage and whatever's left over from the sale, the children would then inherit and get for themselves. If there is a deficit, the mortgage insurance on the federally insured loan would pay that. So the estate is not okay. responsible. The children are not responsible. Um, and even the case in the case of a homeowner, if they were underwater on the time of a sale, uh, if that happened, kind of unlikely here in eastern Massachusetts, but it's po certainly possible um, that at the time of someone's, when they go to sell a house, they're underwater, the government mortgage insurance would pay the difference. So they're not on the hook for a deficit to the mortgage company. Great, great. And uh, this is an important question because everyone knows there are closing costs and fees for every piece of paper we sign. Start with you, Jill. What should we be aware of if listeners are concerned and want to get into this uh, practice? What kind of money are we talking about up front for closing? Okay, so the government, these are heavily regulated loans, uh, the, the HECM, the government insured mortgages. Uh, they require uh, mortgage insurance, which is the largest, usually the largest closing cost. That's going to be 2% of the value of the home. So everybody who gets these loans is going to plunk, plunk down 2% as part of their okay. closing costs. So that's, that's a hefty amount, all right? On a half a million dollar house, that's $10,000, okay? The government also sets a fee for the lenders. The lenders are allowed to charge an origination fee. It is based again on the value of the home. It's 2% of the first 250,000 plus 1% thereafter, up to a maximum of 6,000 on any home worth 400,000 or above. So the maximum $6,000 origination fee can be charged by the lender. That is a negotiable fee, um, but they can't, they can't charge more than 6,000. And then there are your normal closing costs that you would incur at, at any mortgage loan closing right. in any state. So those, you know, I, I hate to throw out random numbers, but you have to pay obviously for the attorney to close the loan, the recording fees, and the most expensive fee would be the mortgage, the, the lender's title insurance. So those are, mm -hmm. that adds up to a lot of money. <laughs> but the end result is what you're looking for, a positive result in terms of cash available to to take care of a lot of things, including healthcare. Steve, let's talk a little bit about what consumers should be aware of when they're investigating companies that provide reverse mortgage. I mean, you and, and Jill are the reputable folks. That's why you're here. But what should people be aware of? So I would, I would suggest, 
you get counseled, absolutely. Get in touch with one of the approved reverse mortgage counseling agencies in the Commonwealth, which Jill is one of those. She's been doing it for a very long time and she's fantastic. On mass.gov, there's a list of approved reverse mortgage counseling agencies and lenders are also, when they're talking to potential applicants, are supposed to give a list of those agencies. You should talk to different lenders about their experience in the business, whether they specialize in reverse mortgages or not, whether it's just one of many products that they offer. They should ask what kind of entity they are. Are, are they a what we call a direct lender, where, that is doing all the work on the file and funding the loan and, and retaining the servicing of the loan, or are they a broker? where they might encounter the homeowner uh, for the application paperwork and then not much more of a role beyond that. And does that matter to the homeowner or not? And then um, those fees, as um, Jill mentioned, that negotiable origination fee, there's nothing to hold back the homeowner from shopping lenders and seeing, is there any ability to move that fee downward if uh, from the initial disclosure they got on the, on the piece of paper. And also is the lender offering just the, the FHA insured HECM reverse mortgage or do they have any other reverse mortgage programs, what we call proprietary reverse mortgage programs right. um, that, that might be a better fit. So those are some of the things to consider. I have to say that I, I feel pretty comfortable with People ask me that all the time. Are there bad companies? Are there good companies? What I tell them is, if you are certified to sell these loans, I, I this is what lets me sleep at night is I, I don't have companies that are this, oh, this guy's terrible. He called me from Iowa or somewhere and he's awful. And th- this is such a heavily regulated product that, that these lenders can't really go off the rails. Um, you know, obviously there's a personality thing. People might find somebody too pushy or they might just like somebody better and or they're very knowledgeable and very friendly and they're good at their job. And um, a, a lot of people like the local lenders because they get to see them, you know, as opposed to being on the phone with them, um, I would say. But I have to say, I can't, you know, it's one of the easiest parts of my job is that people, are, people always ask me that is, are these, are they bad? Are they good? I'm like, well, they, they really have to follow all the rules. So I, I know they can't be terrible. So there's a position taken by some, maybe even in the media that, a reverse mortgage is an option of last resort, making it seem like a desperation move. Is that an unfair depiction of this program and this process, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it is unfair. Um, I, I, it is absolutely not the case that it's a, a, a loan of last resort. I, we have some very wealthy people who, uh, who have, are, have perfectly fine retirements and everything set up. They like access to this equity because, for one thing, it's not taxable. Okay, so they can borrow money against their home. Um, they can also pay down anything they've borrowed with no penalties. I, I maybe when I started doing this counseling 11, 12 years ago, it, that was more of a thing. The government has since then, and several years ago, came up basically require lenders to do a lot more underwriting. So a person right at the edge of foreclosure is probably not going to be able to get this loan because they have ticked a box, which is they've been behind on their mortgage or their taxes sometime in the last two years, and that's going to require the set aside. Now, of course, there has to be enough equity for that. So a lot of the people, the sort of the desperation people that may have, maybe have gotten these loans years ago, wouldn't be qualified for them now. 
Well, that makes sense from every perspective. I mean, you have to be responsible uh, or any company is not going to want to do business with you. Final comments. Steve, uh, what's the message for people out there considering these things? And if they're already involved in them, uh, upkeep, any ideas on advice for that? I I would say that this is not a product of last resort. Uh, There are a lot of very smart ways to utilize one's home equity through one of these tools even for people who have significant retirement savings and significant income uh, and their financial planners are learning about all of these ways. They're endorsing these ways because our industry is the one teaching them these ways. And the financial planning industry is teaching us ways that this product can be utilized for a much wider audience of homeowners to just help them to have a more successful retirement in the home that they love. So uh, please try to ignore those myths and misconceptions that you hear out there, those knee-jerk reactions. Really meet with a counselor, talk to a lender, talk to your uh, professional advisor, your attorney, your financial advisor, and learn all about these products before you you make a quick decision on if it's right for you. And uh, Jill, final comment on what we've been talking about. Feel free. Sure. You do your homework, like Steve said, absolutely. Um, the counseling is required. Um, I don't know if that people realize that. They, they, a lender can't move forward with anything that's going to cost you any money, like ordering an appraisal or anything, until you've had counseling with someone like me. Um, and the counseling is pretty intensive. It's usually about an hour and a half, um, sometimes longer. Um, I send out a, a lot of materials for them to review first, and then we go over all of those, and I answer any questions they may have. I'm an independent, I call myself an independent third-party expert. So that's my role in this is to be a person that can sort of look at their situation with them as much as they'd like me to. I don't get nosy and start poking around, but it, you know, it's, there's a lot of safety. There's a lot of guardrails built into these loans that I think, you know, some people are worried that they're going to get ripped off and everything else. But again, there's the, I think probably the, one of the best rules about these loans is that you're required to talk to someone who knows all about them, but is not trying to sell you the loan. I guess I would just add that uh, up until now, this entire conversation has been talking about utilizing one of these programs to stay in at home. And just a, a little known fact uh, is that you can use one of these programs also to buy a new principal residence to what we call right size, maybe move someplace smaller, someplace warmer, someplace closer to your children. You can utilize reverse mortgage financing for the purchase of a new home if you are 60 years old or older. Steve and Jill, thank you both for your expertise and your care and concern for the uh, consumers. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Many thanks to attorney Stephen Pepe and Jill Joyce, HUD Certified Housing Counselor. Once again, this May, the Massachusetts Bar Association's 2021 Elder Law Guide, the latest version of the MBA's resource guide on a wide range of legal issues affecting the lives of older adults. This guide will be available to read and download for free on the MBA's website, www.massbar.org forward slash elder law. 
You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.